Hello and welcome to episode 3 of Gen Z in a Pod. In today's episode, we're introducing a brand new segment called Movies with Michelle, where I'll be chatting with friends, and maybe sometimes even myself, all about films. Today's episode was actually recorded late last year in December 2021 when the Spider-Man fever was still very high. We hope you enjoy our little discussion about Spider-Man No Way Home. Welcome to the first episode of Movies with Michelle, a corner where I talk about movies. So today we're going to talk about Spider-Man, the latest um, Marvel movie that came out this year as of December 2021. And it's been making waves. And I think it was recorded as the first pandemic era movie to break one billion at the box office, which is great for Marvel, I guess. But the hype is real. It's kind of like what everyone's talking about at the moment. And today I'm joined with the two Anns of our group. Hello. Okay, who's Anne 1 and who's Anne 2? Um, yeah, we need to oh, decide. Anne 2, I mean... I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean I, we could just go by Anne 2 and Florian. Or do yeah. we do Anne's? We can do um, the real, the OG names. The OG names. Yep, I'm sorry if I butchered them because I can't speak Vietnamese, but I'll try my best. Okay, so, you can call me Anne 2 and you can call Anne, Anne 1. So. Ang two. No, no, I, I can uh, Ang two, two Ang Ang. Say your names again. I mean, it's quite close. Ang two, it's close. Because <laughs> the way I do it is because um I know Mandarin, so when I think of your name, I think of your name as Feng, like F E N G, but with more like vowels in it, like Feng Ang. I mean, I'm sure that's maybe there's some origin in there. <laughs> I mean, random flex, but okay. Um... <laughs> It's not a random flex. You guys speak I, like I four languages. I sense a tangent. <laughs> never mind, never mind. Let's go back to the topic of Spider-Man. So have you guys seen No Way Home? Yeah. I was about to say like a few days ago, but then I realized it's not a few days ago. It's a week ago-ish. <laughs> my sense of time, this, yeah. my sense of time is just completely lost. I mean, it's Christmas, after Christmas. Nothing is really clear from 25 to 31. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I had the pleasure uh, to watch it on the day it released because my flatmate has a weird tradition that she wants to watch it, every, every single Marvel movie on the day it's released. So mm-hmm. I got inspired and also went. Although I don't really like that because last time I did that for Endgame, I couldn't hear what was going on in the movie because the fans were just shouting the entire time. Um, but it was a, it was actually quite civil for an English audience, you know? I, I was very surprised they were behaved. I mean, someone meowed at the screen. Meow. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, but it was it was a good experience. Oh my god! Yeah, I also watched it the first day it came out. I think it came out on the same day in Indonesia and in the UK. I probably just watched it a few hours before you and two. So <laughs> sorry, I can't. I can't not think of it. She's saying it while holding up the two fingers. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> oh yeah, since we're going to be talking about No Way Home, so I guess we'll have to put a spoiler warning, even though probably most of the major spoilers are everywhere on the internet at this point. So if you haven't seen No Way Home, or if you want to avoid the spoilers, just stop listening, watch the movie, then come back and listen to this. I guess to start off, are you guys like usually fans of the MCU? Do you watch Marvel movies, or is it just like a one-time thing for you? I'm not like an avid MCU fan. Like I don't follow very closely. Like some movies, I'll just go and watch just because that's what's 
um, it's in the cinema, and I was like bored. <laughs> um, I but I think the only time that I really got into it was with Disney Plus um, Wonder Vision, and I really enjoyed Doctor Strange. I think that's all I could say. And two, I won't do the two now. Yes. Um, so my relationship with Marvel is a bit weird because I remember watching the first Avengers and I was, I would say traumatized when Iron Man <laughs> was, you know, in the turbine, he was in the sky, he was fighting in the sky and the turbine was, there was like a problem. So he yeah. had to like manually go push the turbine. <laughs> and I think as a 12 year old, for some reason I had nightmares because of that. I don't know. <laughs> so, so my relationship with Marvel was a bit fraught since the beginning. Like I watched the Iron Man's and was like, this feels weirdly culturally inappropriate. Um, but then my friends dragged me to watch Infinity War. And that was like my first proper like Avengers movie that I remembered. And I, I finally understood the hype, even though mm. I wanted to show that I didn't want the hype because I was not like the other girls. <laughs> but like in the end, I was just like, yeah, I really like it. And then I like sort of binged through all the Captain Americas, all the Avengers, and here I am. And with Spider-Man, it's also the thing where you sort of, as a child, you watch it on like HBO while it's on, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. While your parents are like cleaning the house or something, and then you're just sitting there and you watch it. Um, that's what I remember. So like, I, I know about Tobey Maguire and Andrew's movies, but I just don't remember clearly. Mm. But like, I know that I watched them, but in, in the same way, I don't feel like I watched them. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, it's like movies in the background when you're a kid. You don't really pay attention to it. Yeah, but like, yeah. I did go to, to the like the cinema to watch like Captain Marvel um, and then all the like Tom Holland Spider Mans. So I I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a Marvel fan myself. <laughs> Does it pain you to admit that? It doesn't yeah, anymore because uh, I am like other girls now. I accept okay. that I am just like a girl. So. Yeah, well, I think the Avengers, like the first Avengers movie was also my entry point into Marvel because like all the guys in my class in primary school were just talking about it and I just watched it. But I had a very different experience from you, Anne, because I don't think, I don't even remember the bit where Iron Man was in a turbine. I never got <laughs> nightmares. For some reason, I have a very specific memory of seeing like Hulk, like get Loki and kind of like smash him around like he's like a piece of chicken. Like that's the only bit I remember from the Avengers. But because of that, I'm like, I'm, I'm an MCU fan from now on. I wasn't traumatized by it. I found that really funny. Yeah. I mean, I watch, like, when whenever a new movie comes out, I would quite like to go and watch it because it's... I don't know why, but also it feels like sometimes it's the only movie that is intriguing in, enough for me mm-hmm. that I know that I would probably enjoy it with, um, like, my cousin and stuff. But I wasn't, like, an avid fan. Like, I watch it. It's fun. But I'm not, like those crazy fans that come up with all those sorts of <laughs> theories and like making connections I'm just I'm just there for the story which is mm. classic yeah both very valid fan experiences so I think we'll just jump right into it so like what did you think of the new Spider-Man movie because I think we have very conflicting thoughts I think you can go first because I think you have a lot of thoughts and we just have because I think you're like the I feel like you're the most outspoken Marvel fan out of most of us, you know? So, yeah. And, and I feel from intuition that Spider Man means a lot to you. So, just 
go first. <laughs> I think that that's a very fair judgment, but that's like a big mistake because I'm going to go on for an entire rant throughout the entire podcast episode and like I won't shut up. But um, oh, I mean, it is your corner after all, so. Well, <laughs> I think I'd just like to preface the entire episode by kind of saying that like everyone is entitled to their own opinions. Nothing is right. Nothing is wrong. That being said, I didn't love this movie. I liked it. I enjoyed it. There were some fun bits, especially with the um, entire multiverse and the introduction of the old Spider-Mans in this, but I just didn't really feel it as a movie, like emotionally. I think it was kind of like a nice little tie-in for a legacy, like a love letter towards Spider-Man, the character itself, throughout three generations. But I think as a movie in itself, it doesn't work because it includes too many characters and storylines from different movies and you kind of have to connect the dots and like it's kind of basing most of its emotion from nostalgia and knowledge of the previous movies so it didn't work for me and the plot I think like the whole thing of like trying to make bad guys good with a serum is just like so wrong (laughs) on so many levels I did like a level psychology so that's just like not a good vibe like that's how you're supposed to approach things like I don't know, crime, mental illness, and how that affects super villains. But then again, it's not like the deepest thing Marvel movies. It's supposed to appeal to the entire general audience. So I think that was my main problem with it, just the plot in general. And I don't know, I really wanted to like the movie because it's Spider-Man, Tom Holland, Spider-Man was my favorite. I grew up with it. So I was kind of disappointed. Yeah, I think that that point about um curing like the villains i thought they would actually go against that and show that you can't cure the villains i think that would yeah i kind of agree in the sense like that arc is so it's so not new it's so predictable and it's mm. it's all i don't know why but in the 21st century context that's that sense of curing someone just sounds too off to me Mm, yeah, like yeah. I think that I think I would say that's the one point that I really that bugs me a bit about the movie, even though I generally quite like it. Yeah, I definitely agree with Michelle's point. Um, it's a very interesting emotion. Like the, it, this movie is very interesting because there's that nostalgia factor, but I would say it is more of a spectacle than it is a movie, um, which is very normal in Marvel traditions, but there was a quality to the other movies that, that it just had a heart and a logic that you couldn't fault it. And and you would get immersed in the story and you would get, you would feel convinced by it. But with this one, especially for example, in the beginning, um, Tom's, Tom's uh, Peter's Tom's Peter. decision, Tom's Peter's decision to um, asked Doctor Strange for help and him actually agreeing was very confusing to me because first of all, Peter, you've fought fucking Thanos. Like you, how is this, how is the fact that you can't go into MIT that that destructive that you have to go as Doctor Strange, the guy that literally controls like time and space and you know what he can do for him to do something that you are not that young. Like I know that He's supposed to be quite impulsive and still has to learn about his responsibilities. But I felt the plot just moved because it was a plot. I didn't feel like it was actually what Peter would have done, or at least he would have spent more time ruminating on it. Um, although I get it, but like I get it because I have to force myself to get it. And then 
there's definitely that nostalgia factor that I think, in a way, like, it can't stand alone as a movie. You have to watch it with that sort of love you have for Marvel. You can't watch it if you just came in the cinema. You'd be so, so confused. And I think in, in sorry, I'm going to go in a, on a small rant about capitalism. Like, yes, I'm sorry. We all love Spider-Man, but it, it is a capitalist product, you know, how there's no more originality anymore. They reuse tropes and they reuse uh, that factor of, of nostalgia to like lure us in. And this thing about sequels and everything, um, I just feel like the story, there was so, so much condensed in like two hours or three hours that I felt it was rushed, you know? Um, so as a moviegoer, it's not very satisfying. But as a Spider fan, like that was that was satisfying, especially there is still a lot of emotion in it. And first of all, the acting sells it. The acting completely sells it. The emotions, like for example, on May's death, I'm sorry, but I don't have any, I, I didn't feel anything. But when yeah, I saw yeah, yeah. Peter's face, I just couldn't, I just broke down because that boy can act, you know. <laughs> and it, it felt so like convenient as well that she was saying, yeah with great power is really responsibility like okay we get it the, and, and it's just like another moment for the fan to go like aha you know yeah. and but the ending yeah. I really like because it's so depressing and it ties into that whole tradition of Peter having this really sad depressed life because the other the the Sony Spider-Mans were so depressing mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this movie in the end it has a, an overlapping theme of tradition and legacy and history so and I've only watched it once so to, to to think more critically about it I would have to watch it more times but that's how I felt walking out of it sort of satisfied but at the same time there was an itch that I just couldn't you know yeah I think that sort of captures how I felt as well in a sense it was definitely what you said like a spectacle it's it was really an experience but that really is based on the fact that I know of other things but as like an actual story itself, like, yeah, you can go into all the plot holes and like it doesn't. But then I don't know. Sometimes that's what makes it a good movie in a sense. It is repeating the same narrative. But especially I think with, you know, the Corona, <laughs> the Pentagon, like people just really like nostalgia and mm. old stuff and familiarity familiarity and I think it's just a nice comforting movie even though it's a bit depressing at the end but yeah <laughs> I didn't expect us to really like completely agree so this came as a shock to me and like derails my entire thing where I was going to make my case about how this movie isn't that good <laughs> but anyway it's good that we agree I'm sure like we, we can talk about the positives all day not all day probably like a few hours about this movie there are some positives it's well made I guess it's got a big budget, so of course the CGI looks amazing. The villains, I really like Willem Dafoe's performance as mm. the Green Goblin. He was he amazing. Age. Yeah, he, he's age. just beautiful. Willem Dafoe is beautiful. Everything about him. And is I think amazing. I just, I just like. I w also, I wish they could have taken the chance to recreate that Spider-Man meme. I think I they think did. They, did. <laughs> yeah. they were like on the scaffolding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They oh, were just pointing they? to each other. Okay. Yeah. I think I'm the <laughs> humor, like um, meta humor was used in here because like they were very self-aware, but it wasn't sort of on the nose. Like mm. the Willem Dafoe's, I'm a bit of a scientist myself. It was, it didn't come forced. It just came very naturally, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I really like that. And also like the pointing at each other, it just made sense. It's just like a little nudge that didn't feel like, oh my God. It felt like, ah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, it wasn't too on the nose, I guess. Yeah. I think what really sold it for me in that movie was the Spider Man's. Like seeing all of them, it's just it just hits the spot. No, um, I mean, and yeah, so well, now especially, talking, yeah. actually, I don't know if we're gonna actually talk about that scene where Garfield, yeah, right, yeah, Garfield, yeah. uh, Spider Man manages to um, rescue MJ, like the whole room was like applauding, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that one was quite, I mean, it was a bit on the nose, but at the same time, it makes sense, like Andrew's. Andrews Peter's trauma coming from that of course like he 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 wouldn't be able to live with himself if he didn't do that like talking as a nostalgic fan just first of all Toby is so cute really no 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 as in like his face it's so endearing he's just so endearing to me (laughs) because first of all his spider-mans were so chaotic there there were so many iconic things about it like the dance the I had to beat an I had to beat an old lady with a stick to get this like yeah, there's yeah. this is this quality <laughs> that um is just so Toby's and <laughs> I remember when P- uh, Tom's Peter was about to stab the Green Goblin and then Toby just came in and he just looked at him. I felt that gaze, I felt that stare. It's still think about this stare from time to time. Like the actors completely, completely sold it. They were just so phenomenal in this movie. I see that Michelle is not agreeing with me. I mean, I I like Tobey Maguire. I think. Are you an a... Andrew? You you are. No no no. Wait wait. Let me let me, right? let me let me. I knew it. Let me finish I mean, my I, case I first. Well, but... Tobey Maguire, he has a certain charm to his Peter Parker, but I don't really like him as an actor. He has a cute face. He kind of sells it, but I I will say that his trilogy is like probably stylistically really good, like compared to like the others, because like Andrew Garfield and Tom Holland feels very like. Oh, this is an action movie. This is a Spider-Man movie. We wrapped it up in a gift that it smells very corporate-y. But like when you look at um, Tobey Maguire's, the director Sam Raimi, who did um, The Evil Dead, like his style of directing is just so different from everyone else's. Like he really uses New Yorkers, and the humor is just on point in that one. Like there's so many memes because mostly, in my opinion, because of Tobey's bad bad acting in the first one. But <laughs> it's good. I, I like Tobey Maguire, not as an actor, but. I'm sure he's a wonderful person, but I kind of felt like the the whole thing where the one you just said, where Toby was trying to stop Tom's Peter from killing the Green Goblin, like I mean, his face says it all, but his eyes don't like emote. I think we'll disagree on that because I I felt it, but no, but it, it kind just... of suits his that sort of melancholy vibe from his Spider-Man. Yeah, like. He's not depressing, he's just very melancholic. I guess as a side question, like who is your favorite Spider-Man? If there is any. I don't have Take any. Your time. You don't have any? No preference? No, not really. Like, I like... Well, the ones that I actually watched was Andrew Garfield and Tom Holland. But I like them for very different reasons. <laughs> Mm. Like, I think, because I also watched them, you know, at different period of my life. Like, with the Andrew Garfield, it was just, there was a nice romantic kind of yeah. sense to his movies. But with Tom Holland, it's it's just more fun. <laughs> it's more youthful. 
in a way. Yeah. With Tom's, it's definitely, it's a bit hard not to bias Tom's because that's the one that we sort of lived through. Mm, Uh, Even though, yeah, we we lived through Toby's and Andrew's as well, but we were kids. But there's literally something about those Sony movies that is just very nostalgic. The way it's lit, the costumes. I mean, the costumes for Tom's are just so great. Um, But there's that layer of help from Tony. He's a bit more upgraded, even though he's so young. But with Andrew and Toby, they had to do that all by themselves. There's a bit more of like groundedness from them that maybe like maybe if I were younger, I would choose Tom's. But now that I am an adult, I, I have a feeling that the the sadness, this sort of bitterness to like, for example, Andrew's movies, the way it's lit, just the way it's lit, you know, the way it's color corrected. There's just yeah. something that I can't really explain. The, like he, he fights a lot at night, like in New York right Mm. so there's that like iconic sort of scenery while in Tom's it's a bit more sort of colorful he goes a lot of places that Mm. are not like New York um and I really like that it changes and it it it, you can really tell he's the Marvel's Spider-Man so yeah it's a bit hard to say but I do like that in the end you can start to feel uh the Sony-ness come back in in Tom's because he has to seal his own his own outfit I really like that Mm. But I think, I don't know, sometimes I also think it kind of is influenced by the general mood of, you know, people, moviegoers at the time. Like, I think, I'm sure they, you know, they must, the, you know, what has happened in the last few years definitely probably influenced their decision to, you know, go with this particular direction rather than the previous one, which, you know, was at the time where I feel, I guess, felt more blissful in a way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah, there's definitely a distinction, especially comparing Tom's trilogy with uh Sony's uh, Toby's and Andrews, because I think Tom Is it a trilogy? Yeah, Homecoming, Far From Home and No Way Home. Uh, uh, they might make more. I'm not sure. I hope they don't actually. I like yeah, the I, movies no one to yeah, yeah. yeah. And also I think the way it ended was a nice wrap well. It's a nice way to, to leave an open ending, but also I don't know. Nicely wrapped, like Tom's Spider-Man yeah. journey. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Cause I, I was so like I have this bad habit of watching movies, but and like not really liking it up until the end, and then suddenly they throw in a monkey wrench and make it like a super sad ending, and I'm like, oh my god, that was the best movie I've ever seen. Just because the ending was tragic, and I should really stop that. But I almost did that with this movie. But yeah, I think I don't know. It's just like when movies start, especially these action movies, the superhero has to be put through more trauma. And I kind of don't want that for Tom's Peter Parker. Like, just let him be the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man with nobody knowing who he is. Like, don't put that boy through more trauma. And oh my God, the one thing, the one positive I should note is, I mean, the amount of, like, farther figures they put for Peter Parker throughout the trilogy, and especially in this last movie, and just ripping them away, it's just so cool. Because first it was Tony Stark, then Happy Hogan, and then in this movie, like, Doc Ock was kind of a father figure, Mm. or at least he was kind of nice, and Norman Osborn, who was also a scientist, was also really nice to him. But then they just, like, rip that apart, and suddenly now Happy doesn't know who Peter is, and it's just so sad. You would even argue that Andrew and Toby become... Mm. I, I think at this point, let's just call them by their actor name. Yeah, like Andrew yeah, yeah, and Toby yeah, yeah. became yeah. such important father figures. Like, I felt that, like, I felt even sadder for Tom when they disappeared because Tom really needed the uh, Andrew and Toby to be there. They came at yeah, the yeah. perfect time, but if 
but at the same time, when they left, it sh it showed so much maturity in Tom that he was able to sort of pick up his life again, even though he has no choice. But there is a feeling that it's not that sad because he has all of this history to him. And it's hopeful in a way because we're yeah. very excited to see what he's learned um, from all mm -hmm. of his journey and, and all of his losses. I mean, there could be chances that Doctor Strange becomes the next father figure. <laughs> Oh God! It's very much inside. <laughs> very much inside. Yeah, but I don't know. I find actually you raised that point. Makes me think it's a bit of maybe a stretch to compare, but like for them to take all away these these well-known father figure kind of reflects that sense of not want to say the youth, but like that sense of definitely there's been a change in like what kind of authority young people look up to in a way. Okay, this is like on the spot kind of thinking, so it might make not make no sense at all. All of these father figures, like Tony Stark, um, the uncles, they've they've got their narrative has their own kind of stories and meaning behind them, and they represent a certain fatherness, you could say. Mm -hmm. But you know, we've reached a point where I guess you know the people who are watching these movies. The way they look up to someone, the way they sort of looking for this mentor kind of has sort of shifted. Mm -hmm. And I think that that reflecting that almost in the narrative of taking the old fathers away and replacing it could be, you know, I mean, they could just replace all these uh, people with Doctor Strange, which which just you know, repeats the narrative all over again. But I think actually if they kind of just kept with um, that moment between with the Spider-Mans where it's just looking at the older generation in general mm. instead of looking for this particular individual kind of fatherly figure. Nicely put for an on-the-spot revelation. <laughs> yeah, I sort of get it because instead of them constantly being in his life, it's what they've taught him that, mm -hmm. and, and it's not just like one father figure, in fact he has many, shows that it, it's mm. really symbolically sort of the like it's the knowledge of the last generation, but that knowledge shouldn't constrain Peter. And that's what a lot of Gen Zs and millennials are about these days is like they don't want to be constrained by the past, even though they tr we try to, to accept it and recognize it. Like we, we don't really want it to tell us what, what to do. I mean, technically Aunt May was that Uncle Ben thing. And it's just not, it's, it's not really father figure. It's all. It's just. I mean, it's quite paternalistic in a way, in terms of attributes at times. But like parent, parental kind of figure. Yeah, I think like just to, yeah, just to make it gender neutral, just an attachment figure or someone he can learn from or mimic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be a, to, to find himself as an adult as he goes into this superhero adulthood life. Michelle and I, we have similar tastes in movies, and mm -hmm. we tend to not watch mainstream movies. Because mm -hmm. the Marvel movies and the superhero genre has always been sort of a general public's favorite. Um, and we tend to not really follow that. But mm -hmm. uh, at the same time, there is a quality to the Marvel movies. It's, it's really the writer's room that changes it. Like the, the visuals, the spectacle, the set design, it's all sort of in the same vein as the other mainstream movies. But for example, in the notes, sorry, I just steal one of your points, but... Chris McKenna, right? He was one of the writers mm -hmm. in this movie. And he's like a comedy writer. And he wrote in Community, which is one of my favorite shows. 
uh, and the community was always very meta and always very self-aware, but not in a not in a sort of over overly sensible way. It was very like self-deprecating way, which is very suitable for this era. So I think the Marvel movies they are very suitable for this new like modern era of self-awareness and not taking themselves too seriously, which previous movies like DCs took themselves way too seriously and it worked for that era. But since 2016, there has been a shift in the audience's morale that I, I think the Marvel movies just really fit into that, which is why it's been so enjoyable. And and especially yeah. like that comedy is very recurring. It's not a unique thing. You can find it in other um, movies like Kick-Ass, I think. Other superhero mm-hmm. movies have that comedy as well. But I guess it's just um, that comedy thing tied in with the badass scenes and the magic and the lore. It's something that keeps people coming to Marvel. Yeah, yeah. I I think the inclusion of comedy writers and the inclusion of comedy in general for Marvel has done it good. Like I like it when you like like you said when a movie is kind of more self-aware and it doesn't take itself too seriously and it allows like us to kind of like oh they know it's a movie we know it's a movie so like let's just enjoy it while we can. Like I think personally just a personal preference I like movies that don't take itself too seriously. Unlike like I don't know if you've seen Eternals this summer. But that movie was, it just took itself very seriously that I couldn't really like immerse myself in that experience. So I like it when like movies like Homecoming, especially, kind of blended the genre of superhero with a coming of age movie like Ferris Bueller's Day Off or just a comedy in general. It's just, it works better. But at the same time, I think there is a certain kind of restraint from the company when it comes to like what the writers can do in the writer's room, Mm. because obviously the major plot points are kind of already mapped out by these phases that Disney announces once every like five years mm-hmm. and then they kind of have to oh this has to happen by this end or like this is the arc that we need to follow so that everyone can join together in the next Avengers movie and I kind of find that very limiting like even if they get like indie directors to direct these Marvel mm. big movies it doesn't matter if it's Marvel or DC they have a restraint there and I don't really like it I mean it's a spectacle and we can't really do anything about it these movies are always going to be made because Disney's the king of everything now so i guess we have to accept the inevitable and be swallowed by disney whole ah disney oh my god i've never liked disney but then i don't know i think especially with the idea of heroes like superheroes Mm -hmm. even that idea itself in order to really still be relevant i guess they've got to work on nostalgia like i don't think breaking that image is gonna work for like so not sustainable enough to like be able to produce more things later on mm-hmm. and I don't I do find it interesting that you've when you said that this whole kind of Marvel thing is pre-planned by by Disney into this grand narrative almost mm-hmm. and I feel that's very interesting in the quote-unquote postmodern world mm. where you know, they go against, they try to go against a grand narrative of things. So it's interesting like that. But because each new movie, even though they kind of follow that grand arc, because of that element of meta-ness, it kind of, it really, I, that's what I think makes these Marvel movie works, is that they really create a dialogue with the um, viewers. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they sort of aware that we are doing this for you, and at the same time, we're also making you having to follow this particular. It's like a little um, 
It's a compromise. It's a yeah, it's compromise, and I think that's what makes the experience of watching Marvels recently, particularly the ones like um, the Spider Mans, so enjoyable despite the plot having like issues, maybe or the certain um, I don't know downfalls. I guess is because of that sense of you're really talking with not two but with the movie. Mm. You know. Yeah, I want to sort of pick up on that as well. Um... There's this complexity in the things that are broached. So, like, I'm thinking about how, as well, what Michelle was saying that they like to blend genres and like to blend tropes and narratives. Let's just think about how diverse all these movies are. They can't just be called superhero movies because Civil War, uh, Civil War, and I think was it Age of Ultron? I know Age of Ultron gets a lot of smack. I actually really like that movie. I agree. Wanda in that movie was so hot, but yes. <laughs> and, um, Civil War. It it was so fascinating how they um they were uh, processing and sort of exploring what it means to be a superhero and and its actual effect on like real life. You know the real life in that story. The the responsibility that a hero feels. Like what is a hero? Because I've always didn't didn't really like the idea of the hero. You know it, it has its roots in like war. It has its roots in nationalism. It's always used as propaganda. It's always serving a purpose. It's never really for the people. It's always for the people. It's always for the the rulers. The the hero always keeps the status quo, and that's something that Captain America has managed to explore. Like he, like oh, there's so many good things about how they are heroes, but they earn it. So it's not just like oh, I'm gonna save people and then therefore I'm a hero. It's like I am very complex and I am. I am a shitty person, like Iron Man. He is a shitty person, but he works through it, and that's—he's not a hero because he saves people. He—he he is a hero as well because of how much he's changed and and how he can be that compassionate, you know. And the same with Captain America, like he realizes the faults in his, the system that he upholds. Because Captain America can be very, very controversial in how it's like, yay, America, you know. And and Marvel was able to. Go into that and be like, wait, actually, you know what? This is more complex than it seems. And as well, I think I haven't watched Loki or WandaVision, but like I heard that Loki explores mental health, although not as good as people have wished. And WandaVision explores grief and and all that stuff. So even though there is a grand narrative, but even though Disney is, is gripping everybody um, in in its claws, um, each movie like manages to do something that is inherently Theirs, like in the writers' room, which I have to respect. Even though I think there's definitely a lot to to criticize these movies for the way that they tackle these like social issues and stuff. Like maybe it's a bit watered down, and you have to understand it's because it has to still appeal to like a general audience. But I still like that they went that road. It's a very difficult road to go go through, um, but they still went. And like critically, as as an audience, as a moviegoer, it makes you think, you know. Yeah, baby steps. I mean, it'll be amazing if we can get like a leftist superhero one day within the Marvel, like just a Marxist superhero, just like rioting in front of the Disney Corporation. But yeah. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we always forget about Miles Morales, but like it. If you if you ask me that question again, I'd say Miles Morales is my favorite Spider-Man. Yeah. Okay. I shall I ask the question? That, that's <laughs> my favorite. I think my favorite. Spider-Man movie, like I, I think I was really impressed by that, like about everything, like visually, story, everything. 
It's a postmodern um, like uh, masterpiece. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And also, it has John Mulaney, which classifies I know. it as an icon. <laughs> and I think <laughs> I, I think the sound, their soundtrack, which is very fun as well. Oh, oh the soundtrack! Um, oh my god, everything so much. about yeah. that movie is amazing. And I, I, anything with like like a main character dealing with like issues with their parents, like this one with his father, like the emotion and that like hit me so hard. And like, oh, the animation is good. Like everything about it is just amazing. I th- yeah, I think it's safe to say Miles Morales is also probably my favorite Spider-Man. Like it's just, it feels so different from anything else we've ever seen. Not just because it's an animation, but I think it just it, it went there, and I'm so excited to see what they do. Because oh, another Spider-Man. thing about Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. anything with John John Mulaney entering the Marvel Cinematic Universe is either the best thing that happened in the world or the worst thing that happened in the. Like I don't want him to be sucked into this. Like I don't know, man. Almost everyone is in Disney, if you think about it. Bill Hader is in some kind of Marvel animation. John Mulaney is Spider-Ham. I'm pretty sure other SNL cast members are also on Marvel. But anyway, other tangent. But yeah, this Into the Spider-Verse is just... It revolutionized Spider-Man, I think. I like the animation, and that was so beautiful. I think it won at the Oscars, if I'm not mistaken. As it should. I, I had a, a theory walking out. I was at five... Okay, this is very specific, sorry. I... I, I need to set the context. I was sat in Five Guys waiting for my burger. And I was with my friend. And then suddenly it appeared to me that in in the in the movie, there was a part where someone was saying, wasn't it like Iceman? Or someone who was saying like, I thought you were black. Like, isn't it like a black Spider-Man? Or like some, a joke about like oh, black yeah, Spider-Man. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, is that a foreshadowing? The next Spider-Man, the next Spider-Man like trilogy is gonna be a black spider-man because it's a long time due okay we've been waiting we've been waiting for so long what if it's miles morales what if he's what if it's um, i think that's what what a lot of people think is we're gonna get a live action of miles morales um spider-man we shall see in i don't know how many years but (laughs) i'm sure we'll find out soon i'm sure we'll find out more hints from the new um Doctor Strange movies because I feel and like Venom people can well. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I would suggest us to like sing the the anthem I do not remember no, what this song is know. like okay. yeah. what anthem no the the spider spider-man anthem the spider-man song I just don't remember how it sounds like I only know the spider pig thing that Homer Simpson did in the Simpsons <laughs> <laughs> wait um what's a spider ham Oh, I'm a pig. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to to end this. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, I'm right here. Okay, there you go. Um, thank you everybody for listening to this weird weird thing. Yeah. Michelle sent us off. Yes, that's the end of the first uh, movie corner thing we're doing on this podcast. So thank you, uh, Anne Squared, I can say, for joining me and talking about <laughs> Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, see you guys next time. <laughs>